You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 328 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Happy New Year, Val. How are you going? Happy New Year. So it's been a long time since we've spoken, about five <laughs> minutes. Obviously, we're pre-recording this and we're still in our Christmas party drinking session. So we're yes. on the champagne. So a little cheers. Cheers. I've moved on to the gin and tonic. So I've got the gin in there. I've got, I bought some lime and that's in there. And I'm pouring the fever tree tonic um now so i'll be with you in a sec <laughs> and so, for new listeners if you're a new listener um again we'll just say that this isn't probably the place to start this episode. this isn't typical of our um of our episodes which are usually way more structured and have a much clearer theme but it and we're is sober. new year and and yes, and we usually suffer. And um, it is the new year, and we did have just go through twenty twenty, which was, you know, <laughs> a wacko year for all of us. So very occasionally, like during New Year or certain milestones, we will mm, have a bit of a tipple That's while tipple. we are recording. And so we want to We're say already. Happy New Year to Happy all year. of our listeners. Um, we and we are recording this, as Gina mentioned, um, pre-recording this. So, um, in case in case we, the world's gone, we yeah, Kaka, we, we that's already, why we're not talking about it. <laughs> we already um, started drinking actually in the last episode, last, which we only yeah. finished recording a few minutes yeah. ago. So, yeah. uh, oh, cheers, so, everybody! The, yeah, cheers, H- happy New Year, everyone! Oh, <clears throat> there we go. And oh, you know too. what? In the oh, break, this Val, really nice. In the break, yeah. Uh, I've been travelling. You went to Amazon again? No, I went to uh, Los Baños and um, El, Cuch- El Cuchina. <laughs> you went to the kitchen? Yeah, and Los Baños. The toilet? Yeah, the bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Sono intelligente. Yes, it's like, you know, uh, not a lot of travelling this year, but, you know, so uh, I'm a a big believer in glass being half full uh, and always trying to look at the positive. Well, sometimes, you know, all the way full, like my gin glass is right now. uh, My my champagne glass overfloweth. Hang on, I'm going to open another bottle and it's like it's got a twist top and so it's like not not as sexy as... Fancy champagne. Gina yeah. broke out the fancy champagne. Fancy champagne with a twist top, no cork, because apparently <laughs> the corks are, like, running out, like, you know, they're endangered. So oh, okay. I'm just opening that and um, just going to – here we go. Oh, this gin's really nice. 
Yes, so the Sicilian gin that you're drinking is uh, supplied by our friend Carm Ruggieri, who yes. supplied that to you. It's a good drop. So we've had this, there's been a whole conversation about, but I suggested to Val to make ice. <laughs> and Val, what was your reply? <laughs> I don't remember. How do you do that? <laughs> and it was just too hard. And uh, so, like, you didn't even know where your ice tray were or that there was possibly one in the fridge. So have you discovered that there is an ice tray in your fridge, Val? Well, I, as I mentioned to you, I assume there is because the fridge was – most fridges come with them. But I don't haven't. But you've yet to find it. So, so like most freezers, that is. You're great at so many things, Val. You're actually brilliant at so many things. But there's something about that domestic stuff that it's kind of like it just. I don't know when when everything was handed out at birth. That I think like were you away that day when all the domestic skills were handed out so you now need to find a way to source ice and I've given you a dozen suggestions of how to make it I suggested that you get a grapefruit and cut it up and freeze it too hard Mm, then I just suggested that why don't you just put water in the ice cube tray and that you balked at that too didn't you (laughs) so the final suggestion which finally worked was I suggested mm. that you take the entire bottle of gin yes. and put it in the freezer. Which has worked and that's a treat. Worked. Yes. That's worked a treat. So that's uh, let's celebrate that. So yes. while we're celebrating, Val, yes. what, what's been your highlight of 2020? Of 2020 in what mm-hmm. respect? Oh, pick one. Anyone? Yep. Um, okay. Well, at the like, it- let's go back to the start of the year, Val. You showed your cock to the whole world, and that was at the start of this year. It feels yes, like such a February. long time ago. Your giant cock yes, was yes. on the world stage, which yes. you must be so proud. Do you want to maybe explain so that? So proud. To In case anyone is new to um, this, what Jean is referring to about my giant cock is that um, I was commissioned to do a, a five-metre um, structure, a five metre sculpture of a rooster, which um, was then exhibited uh, in front of the Opera House in the Harbour Bridge on the foreshores of Sydney Harbour in um, in 2020. And that was part of the Sydney Lunar Festival. It was commissioned by the City of Sydney. And um, it was uh, there, you know, all day and night. And at night it was illuminated. It was made up of hundreds of many different lights and yeah so because it's one of the animals in the lunar calendar Mm. and so yeah I was commissioned to do that so it was um quite uh it was so interesting such an interesting process to design and um and make and then obviously it was quite a thrill to see it there on Sydney Harbour this was just this was pre-COVID so you know lots of people um Mm. managed to um you know, go and see it and take photos and selfies in front of it. And, um, and yeah, it was gigantic. It was five metres at least. So that is Very what Gina exciting. is referring Very to. Exciting. And it's like, I'm so proud of you that you did get out there and show your cock to the world, <laughs> your giant cock. And it's just like such an amazing achievement. So well done, Belle. Congratulate. What? So Thank you. the year of the cock is drawing 
to a, to an, a close. What? It's what, actually what? the year of the rat, but anyway. <laughs> huh? Is it the year of the cock next year? No, it's the year of the ox next year. All right. Yes. When's the year of the cock? Um, probably not for another eight years or so. Oh, right. Oh, I will look forward to that. So it's the year <laughs> of the rat coming up. No, that's finishing. So what are we? It, what are we coming up to? The ox. The year of the ox, and what does that mean? Um, well, it's something that occurs every twelve years if you you know follow the lunar calendar, and um, obviously that if you're part of the ox, there's no doubt that you are steadfast and strong and determined and all of those sorts of things. But you know, it's a bit more complicated than that. It depends on a bunch of other things as well. Okay. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I think Gina's original question was what was the highlight, I think? Yeah. 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 So apart from having a five-metre sculpture, you know, in between the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge, which was fantastic, one of the things that I really wanted to do um, at the that I decided I wanted to do at the end of 2019 and this is something that any photographer can do, is was to get into licensing. Um, one of the areas, as in licensing my artwork um, and so, so licensing my designs, my artwork, whatever I created, um, and one of the ways that I wanted to do that, it wasn't the only way, but one of the ways was through wallpaper and upholsteries and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, 2020 I ended up licensing um, – a whole heap of stuff. So not only my designs, uh, but also the photography of my artwork. And that has been licensed to companies in America, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, a, a recent one has been in Rhode Island. They're going on greeting cards. Another company in America has licensed a, f- a photograph of my artwork on um uh, fabric. Uh, so yeah, that's been a highlight because that's something that didn't exist in, at the end of 2019. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot has happened in 2020. So I really, really encourage photographers who want to license their photography to, um, think about that as well. And in fact, just as a little, uh, sneak peek or a little aside, we do have an episode coming up very soon, which is all about licensing because I think that's such a great way to get more bang for your buck. For your, You don't just get paid once for your photography. You get an ongoing passive income stream. Yeah, but what that's a great not way this to go, episode yeah. because no, this, not episode, this episode we are celebrating and having a drink, but we do have that coming up. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up for you in 2021. Fantastic, Val. How about you, Gina? We both took a drink at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> it makes for good. What was your highlight? <laughs> right. Well, I think um, this year it was uh, incredibly challenging. I lived in Melbourne. We mm. we had to endure a sixteen week hard lockdown where we were uh, restricted within what was it thirty k's? Five k's. Five k's. Five k's, and then we were only allowed out outside for like 30 minutes for exercise or to go and the only things open were basically essential services Mm -hmm. and also and that was it really so uh that was tough that was tough but I learned 
you know, through that you learn what you're made of. And I think I realized that I'm, um, you know, stronger. And I think my mental um, sort of capacity stayed strong. and I didn't sort of slip uh, into any uh, depression. I didn't allow myself to because a lot of people did. It was tough. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about myself, but also I was really uh, fortunate to actually pick up new clients this year in a really harsh uh, climate as well for photographers. So I was excited by that. And uh, I think that uh, in terms of like, I set myself goals to really uh, something that we talked about in last week's episode about that whole working the shot. And, you know, it's easy when you get to a certain level, like you get to um, an area where you feel like you've got the hang of lighting and posing and it's easy just to go in and just rock up the shoots and hack it out, like, you know, hack out a shot. Uh, without trying to improve on the past one. But like I try and make sure that every year I come out with at the end of the year, like shots that I'm proud of Mm -hmm. and also uh, working harder. So, you know, picking up those new clients was super exciting for me and being able to continue to work. And even that, that allowed me to keep working through lockdown and it even Mm -hmm. gave me, the opportunity because what I was doing was deemed an essential service to actually uh, get out on several occasions and even sort of leave my little local area and go off and uh, spend uh, days away uh, shooting. So I really enjoyed that and I really worked hard on my uh, lighting skills and uh, perfecting the one light setups that I was doing and then Mm. I really got in, dived in deep into working with two light and three light setup. So I'm particularly proud of that. I'm also incredibly proud of uh, the work that the gold community have achieved this year and the level and watching them, honestly, watching them go from, you know, being hesitant in certain areas or unsure about Photoshop or lighting or uh, posing and directing and then seeing their stories come back and watching them grow and evolve and pick up work and pick up work in terms of like money that they never dreamed of receiving for commissions, Uh, all of that coming into fruition. I'm incredibly proud of that and seeing them grow and evolve has been like definitely one of my highlights for the year. Yeah, brilliant. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. And um, we hope that uh, 2021, uh, well, we hope that you, A, made the most out of 2020, whatever circumstance that you were in. Um, Everyone in the world was in, you know, different but challenging circumstances. And we hope 2021 kicks off brilliantly for you. But this particular week, we have more great lessons in photography that we've learned from the last year, haven't we, Gina? Mm Mm-hmm. So where do we start on this? Well, we um, you caught me as I got my mouth full, Val. So let me. What just, are you um, eating? Cheese. What kind of cheese? Mm. It's aged cheddar. It's finished now. So sorry about that, guys. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do everything at once, and like food also has to come in. Drink, eat, uh, record podcasts. Record podcasts, yeah. Um, but I want to share a review from a gold member, Christy Louise Hurt. Maybe you can read it out, Val. 
Yeah, so Christy kindly left us a review and said her biggest moment of 2020, and there wasn't many, was seeing the image I took on the set of the film Schemers as the face of the film. It was used in such cool magazines as NME and international newspapers such as The Telegraph. I was so proud to see it advertising the film across the world at all cinemas and film festivals. If I'd been smart and licensed the image, I'd be rolling in it. (laughs) I have continued to upskill in Photoshop using Genius Tutorials, which are the best there is. I will be putting my newfound skills to work in the new year. Thank you, Gina and Val, for keeping me sane in 2020 with your humor, support, and for this community. And you can check out uh, Christie's Instagram at Heard with a star, that's H-E-R-D, with a star. And it's brilliant Brilliant. work and congratulations, Christy. Like you've been doing some great stuff and I love her uh, Brad Pitt doll work and that's also – and and, uh, do you know uh, there is an episode where I actually interviewed Christy um, and uh, maybe you'll find it at some stage, Val, and let us know what that is. <laughs> you can go to Dr. Google and find that for us. But yeah, if you just just uh, do a search for it, and um, that's worth listening to because how she it's developed episode those... 250, 250. So fantastic. Um, have a listen really to the cool. interview really with that. Have a listen to the interview with Christy um, in that, and you'll hear about the fantastic Brad Pitt doll project that Gina is referring to. Excellent. All right, so um, I want to do another kind of uh, year in review and continue on the theme of uh, the best uh, great lessons in photography from 2020. So I want to go back to an episode that I, an interview that I did not long ago, which was probably one of my favourite. There's been quite a few favourites for the year, but one of my favourites was getting to chat with Nat Geo photographer Amy Vitale, who mm. is an amazing photographer, not only a great photographer, but she's really uh, doing good work to um, spread knowledge about uh, things that are going on in the animal world. So she's using her work for the good and uh, she has so many great tips. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend that you go and check that out. But one of the things that I loved. There was a couple of things in that episode. Uh, So she goes through the mindset that you need as a photographer to pitch your ideas. And uh, one thing that we managed to uh, highlight in that interview is the fact that like we as creatives think differently to non-creatives. So when as a creative you come up with an idea, you can see it clearly in your mind's eye and Mm -hmm. it can be frustrating when you try and explain your ideas to someone else and they just don't get it. And so Mm -hmm. what you've got to understand is when you're trying to pitch an idea to an editor who's not a creative, their job is to edit the magazine uh, or a client who manufactures something and you say, I've got this great idea. What we'll do is blah, 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 blah. And you explain it to them. You're going to be seeing that image clearly in your mind's eye. They're going to be seeing something completely different. So Amy recommends that you make it as easy as possible. And what I like to do is I've like learned 
very quickly that people just don't understand what I'm talking about if I just write it down, right? Yeah. But if I, I, and that's why I use a lot of uh, visual analogies and I also use photo analogies and so I reference images. So, like, let's just say that I was trying to sell a client on an idea of having, like, say I've got a group of accountants, Val. Mm-hmm. And I want to do a group shot. And the and the client has said, okay, so we've got Dave and Jim and Fred and Tommy and um, Sally in accounts who we need to do a group shot of. And we want to do it against the same mottled grey background that we've used for the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And normally we get Jan and accounts to shoot it and it looks really good. And I look at the photo <laughs> and I just think, oh, my God puke but um, I want to convince them of a better idea so I can say hey why don't we do them um, outside walking now now when I suggest that the client's going to go huh that'll look really terrible because it's like what you're suggesting just outside the office out the front of Costco Mm -hmm. that's awful and I'm like no well, I've got an example and so I might have done images like that or I'm like, I might say, hey, have you seen the movie Reservoir Dogs, mm. right? And you know the opening credits where you've got the and, – and even if they haven't seen them, I might send them a clip. Mm. Here's a YouTube video. Have a look. This is what I'm thinking of recreating for the accountants and they go, they're going to look amazing. So you mm. give them a visual reference so that there's no confusion about what you're talking about, like they see it. And so yeah. when it comes to pitching, you need to sell that idea and make sure that there's no shadow of a doubt that you're both on the same page. And so I think the vision boards are really important when you're sharing ideas. So like you want to say, so say I want to um, show them that scene, but it's like, I know this is maybe too gritty for accountants. So I'm going to edit it with this style. And then you might show them another image in your folio, which shows the editing style. And then here's the wardrobe that I suggest for the clients and then you give them a list and visual references of what you would prefer everyone to wear so there's no mistakes Mm. and that's going to get you across the line a lot quicker than just saying hey here's my pitch and then 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 you write them a thousand words which let's face it no one's going to read a thousand word pitch are they so you just get to the point and uh, make sure that you make it as easy as possible for the client uh, whoever you're pitching to, to see the same vision that you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. All right. That makes and the, sense, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> the other great thing that Amy shared with us was uh, she shared her breakdown of how to tell a story. Now, as a Nat Geo photographer, she is responsible for, you know, creating stories about certain Uh, places that she goes to and she really sort of goes and and tells this story at a human level and so I asked her about like what are the steps that she takes or what is her mindset or what's her approach for creating that epic story so you as a magazine editor Val would like back in the day you would uh, commission a photographer and then you would brief them as to what to do and Hopefully, most of the time you got that exactly what you wanted back, but sometimes there were bits missing. So Mm. the art of storytelling 
is really important visually because, you know, often it's the stories that are going to draw people in. And then once they're connected to the images, they're going to uh, read the what the writer wrote about the story. So you've got to be aware of that. But what the way that Amy breaks it down, which I really loved, is she, she, she breaks it down into the first thing you want to establish is where is the story taking place. And so she sort of said, like, when you look at a any blockbuster movie, right, when you're looking at the opening scenes, the opening scene generally is usually something, the, the establishing shot. Where are we? And it's usually an epic, super wide scene. So let's just say it's a Western, right? Mm. Uh, the, the, the opening scene might, might be a super wide shot of the mountains and horses riding across uh, through the scene, right? And mm-hmm. it's wide and you can see everything. So that's your establishing shot. So when you're going and you're shooting a story, then you want to make sure that you always include a wide shot that establishes here's the scene where we are, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Next, you want to know who. Who is the story about? And that's where the strong beautiful full page mm. portrait might mm. come in so you know and how are you going to portray this person so yeah if you want to what I like to do when I photograph my portraits is I want to show everyone in a heroic way so I like to shoot them from slightly below and fill the frame and make them look heroic but you might want to soften this person so you might want to show that they're a, a caring sort of a person and uh, you might want to shoot them from slightly above when you shoot from above it softens them and um, you know same portrait it kind of says something different does that make sense Val? And so when you're shooting your opening portrait, then you want to make sure that you cover all bases for your client because you don't know exactly where that shot is going to fit on the page. So what I like to do is get them to look straight down the barrel. So straight at the shot, it's straight at the camera. Okay. Mm. And then I'm going to allow for how the story evolves on the page. And so I might have them looking into camera right into an empty space so that I know that that image might be on the left-hand side of the page and then next to that uh, the the person is looking into the right-hand side of the frame, then you've got uh, the next image that like so that when the viewer looks at the shot, they'll look at the portrait, look at where the person's looking and then they'll look at that space where the person is looking. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. All right, so you've got a beautiful strong portrait of who, who is the story about then you want to cover what. So why should people be interested? So, you know, some sort of tension in the story that 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 invites the viewer in. And then most importantly, and again, if you watch any epic opening scene in a movie, you're going to see all these images in some order uh, in the opening scene. So the next one is you want a detailed image. So like, let's just say, Uh, it's a farmer who's worked the land their entire shot, then you might want to take a shot to show that the farmer has been there and working for years and years and years. You might want to show a tight shot of old and weathered hands, right? Very tight, extreme close-up. And then you want to make sure that like if all your images were shot on a 50 mil lens mid the camera was set at like eye level and everything was kind of a wide shot 
then if you you did that over like several pages, the 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 viewer's going to get fatigued. They'll give up because it's all the same. So the images all start to look the same. So what you want to provide is visual variety in your images so that you keep the viewer guessing. So you want to change up the lenses that you use and the angle of view that you show. So you might want to show like high up, like, you know, if you've got a drone, you launch a drone and you have a like a shot that shows that 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 image from above, you might want to sh shoot from uh, a worm's eye view looking up, which can be quite powerful. So, and you want to give a lot of variety because that keeps the uh, uh, the viewer interested in the in the story and so you've got lots of variety to look at and then finally you always want to have a closing image that says this is the end of this set of images and so like one I like to do is just uh, get the the person to walk away from the camera so you've got mm. the back of their head walking mm. away and that can be a closing shot or you might have uh, a closing shot if it's like a series of like landscapes you might sh show the uh, scene at night and that that sort of end scene it's the night shot it's uh, sunset it's all over so I thought that you know the way that Amy explains it so ep 322, The Art of Storytelling with Nat Geo photographer Amy Vital. I thought that they were great tips and she gives uh, heaps of other tips as well. I think that's brilliant and it's yeah. a definitely a must-listen episode uh, because it's not just about getting, you know, maybe one or two shots or even a handful of shots. If you can tell a story with your shots, you will become really in demand. And remember, it's not just um, the things that Gina has said. Remember also to put in your inset shots. And what I mean by that is that just those little things of the detail. Well, Gina mentioned, for example, a shot of the old hands, but it might, might just be shot of that person's, uh, depending if it's relevant, car keys on the table, if they're a driver, you know, if they're a racing car driver, or... um. If they are a uh, horticulturalist, it might be their the 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 scissors that they cut. What are they called? Circuiteers. <laughs> you just like you never you wouldn't have a pair at home. Like, I just can't picture you pruning them. I'm just going to duck out and prune the roses. <laughs> it's you not going to happen. It's up there with uh, making ice for you, Val. It's just not going to happen. So just those little things that can really. Um, add value to that series of shots. Now, you might think, oh, no one's ever going to want those. Well, you why not shoot them anyway? You'll be yep. surprised. People sometimes, experienced editors will want them, but some yep. of the younger or less experienced editors don't know they want them until they get them and then they go, oh, my God, that's amazing. It looks fantastic because it really breaks up the look of um, whatever their photo essay is, whether it's online or, or in print. So yeah. um, it doesn't cost you any extra uh, but it can win you lots of points. Yeah, and so like if you were doing a photo essay of the recording of this podcast, Val, <laughs> like, you know, so you might like, you know, in all serious, serious, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just when you get to that next drink, it's like, <laughs> and so now I'm going to speak in that slow and deliberate manner when people that have had too much to drink speak in when they don't want to sound like they haven't been drinking. You know that? Okay. 
Do you remember Let's doing that well when you, you were go. a teenager and coming home and having to face your parents when you'd <laughs> had a few and you and you had to talk to them and try and sound sober? <laughs> so um, what was my point, Val? I don't know. Right. North so, Syrian yes, I was talking about so if we were photographing um, – doing a, uh, this a photo documentary about the recording of this podcast. So obviously uh, the establishing shot would be maybe a wide shot of you in your office recording, like so you could see all the guff that's around, you know, the kitty cats, the bottle of champagne, or the, like, <laughs> whether you're drinking gin, gin and like a wide shot that shows your office, you do the same for me. And then there would be a portrait of uh, you and I in action talking into the mic, right? Yeah. So you do one of those. And then you might want to do then like get them to take off their headphones and um, do just like a clean portrait of both of us as well, not at the mic because that could be handy as well. Mm-hmm. And then I would pick up the little details. So like the details that I would do, so like maybe my end uh, – I would say, well, why didn't you get champagne that had a cork? Because the screw top just looks really low rent. It does, Uh right? So I would then um, at that point go out and get a $3 bottle of champagne that had a cork just so that I could use the cork on the table and I would get a shot of maybe the champagne cork next to say a mouse, a computer mouse to show, or the keyboard. Do you know what I mean? To show and the glass of champagne, that might be the detail shot. And um, yeah. And then the closing shot, I don't know what it might be. It might be the closing shot. I know what I would do for the closing shot. I would have the empty office and I would have a photo of my microphone, my podcast mm. mic with my headphones uh, draped over the mic the way that I keep it when I finish, and that would be my closing shot. That's, you know, yeah, and there that's might be good. something on the screen that says episode uh, 327, the best photography lessons of 2020, and that would be my the way that I would tackle that story. Yeah. And I, I, my, I would close with the if, you ha- if we had an off-air sign. Oh, yeah, but we don't. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so we'd probably search for a stock shot to just throw that into the mix. Or, or just, just buy one and, from like. Or just go and know? buy an off-air shot. Yeah, I like that. That's great. <laughs> Next to the headphones hung up. Mm, mm. Yeah. All right, cool. So um we went a bit off track where we we didn't so all right so next in my list of the uh best photography hang on where where are the um more great lessons in photography yeah yeah right 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 so the next one is i think that light wins so what i mean by that is if you got uh location and light joined fight club right and put them in a cage and they had to battle it out, you know, fisticuffs and kickboxing or whatever, yes. uh, light would always win. Or if light and location played paper, scissors, rock, light mm-hmm. always wins. So what I mean by that is if you've got a choice as a photographer to choose a great location and kaka mm-hmm. light or oh, yes. beautiful light and a kaka location, always choose light. Yes. Always go with light. Yes. Now, um, just to uh, 
expand on that. If you are a photographer that has mastered artificial light, uh, that doesn't matter because it means that you can shoot anywhere. But right. just as a, the golden rule is, it's always about the light. So you want to have great lighting. And so episode 313 this year, we tackled seven portrait lighting tricks using daylight or flash for beginners and pros. All right. And yeah. One, two of my favourites, and we know that the first one is garage lighting, Val, and you uh, are a master at explaining garage lighting. I think you could do a, you could be like Dr. Valerie Koo and have a doctorate in garage lighting. (laughs) It would be unreal, wouldn't it? Because it's like you're on an (laughs) aeroplane and someone's having, having a heart attack. They call over the, the PA. They're like, is there a doctor in the house? And you're like, yes, I'm a doctor. And they're like, what, what, what's your specialty? You're like, I'm a doctor. I have a doctorate in garage lighting. <laughs> they're like, well, can you do anything for this poor person who's having a heart attack? I've learnt CPR. Well, there you go. So you yeah. could probably Dr. Valerie Koo, which has a very lovely ring to it, don't you think? Yeah. Hang on. Dr. Gina Militia. That sounds all right. Should I get a doctorate? Yeah, why not? You could get a doctorate in. What would you get a doctorate in? Um, If if mine's in garage lighting, what's yours? Nutella. Nutella. Yeah, that's Mm. pretty good. Mm -hmm. Doctor of Nutella. That (laughs) sounds impressive, doesn't it? Yes. And then I spend my life just traveling the world talking about Nutella. (laughs) That's a dream job, right there, don't you think? Yes. I so, think so. Um, what was my point of all of that, Val? I just like garage lighting. Oh, so garage lighting. You are you have you, you could have a doctorate in garage lighting. So I'm going to let you explain yeah. what it is to our new listeners who don't know this, and to our um, more established listeners. Uh, see if that this is what you would say to describe <laughs> garage lighting to someone else because after you've had a few drinks su- after you've had <laughs> copious amounts of champagne and gin and what are you drinking gin and pinot grigio which is like so the like every time you say you're drinking pinot grigio i just think of the housewives of oh. I just think, oh God, Valerie's going to be the next Real Housewife of Avalon, (laughs) Real Housewives of the Northern Beaches. But (laughs) so, because my point is, yeah, they say that if you understand something, yeah, then you should be able to explain that to someone else how to do it. Because if you really understand how to do something, you could teach it to a three-year-old. So, Val, I'm a three-year-old. Okay. With limited attention span, which we all know, explain garage lighting to me. All right, little Gina. Garage lighting (laughs) is called garage lighting because if you imagine yourself in a garage, at the door of the garage, like let's say there's a roller door and there's concrete on the driveway in front of you, you are inside the garage, just inside the door, so you are under shade, but because you are right at the door, the concrete in front of you, the sun reflects on the concrete onto your face or onto your model's face or whatever. That's where you position the person being photographed. And that reflection of the light from the sun onto the concrete and back onto your face 
is known as garage lighting, but it doesn't have to be in a garage, actually. I've done it near my office on the terrace under shade where the, you know, the the, the ground reflects back. Um, uh, but that light is absolutely beautiful and it makes everyone look fantastic. And, of course, if you don't have a garage handy <laughs> or um, or the concrete in front of you is not light, maybe it's a dark road like bitumen, dark bitumen, you can, Gina once told me, just put a white sheet down. Yeah. So that does has the same effect just something in front of you on the ground or in front of you that reflects the light into your face and it looks beautiful but you're in shade perfect valerie that was great i actually wish i had a garage because if i had a garage i would still have my electric bike which got pinched oh, from my yeah. driveway which is very Bummer. sad but so i kind of annoying. figure that like they obviously needed it more than i do so whoever pinched jana's electric bike you're very bad. So, listeners, I've got a question for you, uh, and I know there are a lot of uh, bike, motorbike riders in the community. I have a serious question for you. So I have a Vespa. I don't have a garage. I don't have a carport. So it is parked uh, in my driveway next to my car, the Vespa, and I do have a wheel lock on the bike, but now I'm like kind of paranoid that someone's going to lift my Vespa if I'm away or something. So uh, listeners who don't have a, a garage or somewhere safe that they can lock their bike away, what do you do to ensure that it doesn't get pinched? And is that bike lock enough? Should I get something like a uh, like a heavy weight and chain it to it. I, I'm open to all mm. suggestions. This is a serious question. I don't want my Vespa stolen. I'd be so very you can sad. either I'm answer sad Gina. My, yeah. You can either answer Gina at news at ginamilitia.com or just uh, post your answer in the Facebook group. Yeah. And if you're not already in the Facebook group, it's such a great community. Um, it's free to join, so make sure that you join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Fantastic photographers from all walks of life, um, from all over the world. I just love how cosmopolitan it is. Mm. We don't have to leave. Um, even though I'm in lockdown, <laughs> I don't have to leave to experience, you know, uh, photography and experience experiences from all over the world. And we do love seeing your shots. And like, yes, please don't hesitate to post like your backyard full of snow. Because to you, it just feels like, oh, everybody's seen this. But like we when you live, snow. we don't see snow. We just don't experience it. And so for us, it's actually lovely. And it's lovely to see if you live in a remote village or a remote part of the world or anywhere other than Australia, really, we're fascinated by where you live and what it looks like. So these generic scenes that are generic to you yeah. are like really exciting to us and in this fact, is something that yeah everyone in the community we can't travel so let's just tr travel through each other yeah yeah so please do share those everyday scenes and that goes um you know keep that in mind when you're thinking of a personal project that you'd like to do for 2021 and like because often and uh people think oh I'd really am into this and it might be like, you know, you like collecting Spider-Man dolls, 
right? And you think that everyone thinks like that. Not everyone thinks like that. So if you're into something that to you is so everyday and mundane, like the the, the scene out your window, your local uh, corner store, that, that there are millions and millions, billions of people that have never, ever seen that before and will find it fascinating. Or it might be that you're a truck driver or a nurse or a you know a um, a mechanic or your everyday life to everyone who is not in that industry is fascinating so that that is a great start for ideas for what you can make your personal projects about Share your backyard your backyard your day you don't in the have life. to photograph John Bon Jovi you know you to don't prove have to, be to photograph John Bon Jovi but if you get the opportunity but, yeah. to photograph John Bon Jovi, we are open that. to that as well. Yeah, or Brad yeah. or um, Ant from um, Ant Middleton. So I'm just going to say, last episode we said that um, our last Google search was B- Baby Yoda outfit for my cat. But I would like to actually tell people that Gina's last Google search <laughs> was actually <laughs> was actually. <laughs> Ant Middleton with his shirt off. Yeah, no, I just needed to see Val. I was just curious. <laughs> all right, you were so, interested in how the light, with, anyway, how the light hit his. The next uh, question, Val, which is, <laughs> uh, I just want to share. So we talked about light winds, right? <laughs> and um, uh, Kerry Set wrote in and said, "Gina's that her just gra- trying to change the subject." <laughs> Val, but it really stay was. on track, Val. I'm, and just I'm talk on track. About what we're Look, talking I'm about. Tra- you're this the is one. a photography yeah. podcast. We're not talking yeah, about it's what our how you how are. the light shone on his abs. <laughs> That's it. Was purely <laughs> for um, photography research, Val. Yeah, yeah. Back to light winds. So Kerry Setch uh, sent in a comment and said that her, her greatest. Photography lesson this year is the ongoing lesson of practice and preparation leading to greater confidence, execution, and creativity. So she did a family shoot with two teenage boys where she used my composite lighting technique. Mm, So she basically lit them individually and then post merged those images together. So it's basically light painting on steroids. Now, Valerie, Google search this. Uh What is the episode that we covered this year on light painting? I did a whole deep dive or it might have even been last year. But we did an episode and it's basically if you're in quarantine or if you're in the northern hemisphere. It was episode 291, light Mm. Painting for beginners, enthusiasts, and pros. So take that and and in that in that episode, I talked about light painting in specifically with uh, I think I was doing Campari bottles, which is a great liquor. Like next time we drink Val, we're going to do Campari uh, and uh, champagne. You've got to find a champagne that doesn't give you a headache. Okay. But basically, you what you do is single light with one light, and this is great. Like you can apply this to your portraits, to your architecture, to your product shots where you get like one product and like you light 
different sections of the product. So the product could be a bottle, it could be a landscape, or it could be a portrait. So uh, in the in the case of the bottle, it'll be that I light the top, the cap, I light the label, I light the sides, and I light the back. So it's got that beautiful glow. And if you shoot all of this on a tripod, and don't change any of your settings, so you're not focusing in new areas, you're just keeping it all consistent, and don't move anything, you can take all those images that you've created and merge them into uh, into like layers in Photoshop. And then very, it's like, honestly, it's a bit confusing at the start, but once you get into it, it's actually very easy and you get these high end, beautiful looking portraits. So Kerry applied this uh technique and into doing portraits and this is how I light a lot of my composite images and portraits where I just want to do one light I did one last week actually where I had three guys and I lit them all individually nobody moved I just moved the light and then I had three separate images with uh, lighting on perfect lighting on each of their faces because the problem is when you're doing a large group shot you can light, you can have like six lights to make everyone look good, but you've got to have more general lighting where it hits everyone. So the lighting's always going to be a lot flatter. With this technique, you can have one light that is your base light. That could be daylight if it's outside. And then basically what you're doing is you're adding a duke of light, which is my word for a, a small amount of light, duke. Uh, into each of the faces and then you merge those images together and the results are uh, really look amazing. So um, she lit them individually and um, composited in post to create something very different to the standard safe shots. Uh, and it was an exciting time for me. It turned out to be my highest paying gig this year. So congratulations, Kerry. That's amazing. And she also received three bronze awards in the Rise International Photo Awards, which is fantastic. Yay. So just on that, like with awards, fantastic for photographers, but most of them think, oh, I don't know. Everybody's so good. Will I win? What's your, well, you'll never know. It's a great way because often with uh, a lot of the awards, what you get is not only do you get your uh, work in front of like leaders in the industry, but you also often get feedback, which can be a great thing. And we've had so many members of the community that have gone on and won like lots of awards. And then that looks fantastic on the resume, on the website, like, you know, award-winning photographer. It's not the be all and end all. It's not necessary. Um, but it's a, it's a great way to, uh, you know, lift your profile and uh, get more eyes on your work. And so, mm. yeah, so uh, Kerry's work can be seen at uh, kerrysetch.com and she's at kerrysetch in uh, Instagram. So, And I've also got a, a copy of the image that she did in the show notes. So if you want to go to ginamilitia.com, you can check out that image. But like, you would never, ever be able to achieve this lighting in camera where she's got split lighting on two guys that are, you know, eight feet apart. There's no way you're going to achieve that uh, in, in camera. So she's done the next best thing and uh, it's such a cool shot, isn't it, Val? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. So next one, Val, is yeah. um, the mindset. So 
Uh, so I talked important. about, I think we talked about last week that the best accessory that every photographer can have is confidence. And uh, Richard Howes talks about, like he said, he sharpened my focus on portrait photography and event photography in 2020. And uh, he's taken corporate and lifestyle images uh, of, of staff for his graduate program uh, where he works in Canberra and they were uh, published on the Australian Electoral Commission website. Woo-hoo. Way to go. National website. So that's fantastic exposure. And he's also captured some photos to document staff. Uh, so for the recent by-election that they had for Eden Monaro and uh, also their COVID safe measures. So he is more confident with using off-camera flash uh, on a light stand in manual mode and which has taken his photography to the next level and he's also improved his photography uh, lessons and he goes on to say overall I've learned uh, I continue to learn and grow as a photographer thanks to you and the goal community so that's fantastic uh, Richard so that mindset is so important and it just comes down to like having a go just trying something and not wanting to be uh, perfect the first time. Val, have you got anything to add to that? No, I mean, last week we talked about mindset and I yep. think that it is such an important thing if you want to, you know, grow your uh, photography um, and if you want to actually uh, pursue it as a income earning business, uh, mindset is vital because it's not just about the technical ability. It's not just about the lighting. It's about your your perspective in whether you can make it as a photographer um, or not. And the reality is that you can, but um, you need to make sure that you you think that way or it's not going to happen. Exactly. All right. So my next big um, photography lesson in 2020 is to keep lists are you a keeper of lists Val do you write a to-do list every day I do I do I'm a big fan of the list actually today I was just saw something on uh, a website called Mashable where there is this it's basically an iPad right but it's an iPad that's half as thin so it's like it's like it's as thin as you know like it's very it's half the it's very thin basically and it's got the texture of paper and then you've got a stylus that you write on it and it feels like you're writing on a notebook so like you know how the ipad and all tablets are very shiny like the the cup the, the face is shiny well these tablets these notebooks are not they're matte so the experience of writing in this notebook, so you buy the notebook, it's about the same price as an iPad because I would have bought one if they were a little bit cheaper, mm-hmm. but I'm intrigued by them and I know that the price will drop because this is the first generation. that uh, They'll be like uh, everyday thing. But there is something about like there are all these great apps where you can, you know, in notes in on the um on the iPhone, um, I'm sure there's Android equivalent of notes. You can just basically list stuff in the app, right? So you're typing on a keyboard. It's not yeah. the same. It doesn't have the same result as actually physically writing notes. It's so true. Yes. In terms of lists, I'm a big fan and always have been when I'm for a photo shoot, 
when I'm working out what my shot list is, even if it's just I'm going to do one headshot, I make sure that I jot down a list of points that I want to make sure that I'm, you know, or 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 um, photos that I want to take, or angles that I want to get, or notes that I need to be aware of. So I make a list and. Um, I think that's very important. And also, so like, so if it's a single shot, I might say, okay, I need to make sure that I get eyes to camera. I need to make sure. And it's like, it's as, it's as detailed as that. And the more detailed, the better. And I find Val, and I don't know if you have the same experience, that just the simple act of handwriting on paper and pen, old school, writing this list down, and then I fold it up and I keep it in my pocket Mm-hmm. The fact that I've written it down, that's enough for me to remember everything. Like I'll remember uh-huh. it. I don't need to actually refer back yes, to it. But if yes. I need to and if I'm stuck or I'm a bit overwhelmed, you can get stressed at time or time yeah. poor, I will always make sure that I pull out that piece of paper and like let me refer to my list. Okay, I've got that shot, tick it off. I've got the shot looking away from camera. I've got the shot camera left. I've got a three-quarter shot. I've got a tight shot. I need to do a full shot and I also need to do a uh, a wardrobe change. And then I've also like back in the day when I was first starting out and when this didn't come to me naturally, I would also have prompts of things to remember uh, to make sure that I checked. So like things like is there anything growing out of the back of the person's head? Yeah. Is the background looking clean? Are the Is there lint on the shoulders? Is there hair across mm. the face? Uh, you know, does the makeup look good? Does the, is it fake tan or does the, and this is a really important one that a lot of people forget is does the makeup on the face match the makeup on the hands? And so Mm. a lot of inexperienced uh, makeup artists will make up the face and they don't put any makeup on the hands. And it's crucial that like, especially if it's the middle of winter and the person doesn't have a natural tan, they might be uh, like a nice, you know, glow on the face with the makeup, but their hands are three shades lighter and it's obvious. So this, these little, all these little details are really important. And the best way to remember them is to keep a list. The other- Absolutely. But I would just like to say that I'm very similar to you in that except I cannot ever, 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 ever write it on a piece of paper. I have to write it in a notebook where the pages are stuck to the book. I cannot oh, fathom yes. the idea of the piece of paper getting thrown out afterwards. Oh, yeah. So I've got like hundreds, like, you know, I don't know if you you got an obsession with moleskin notebooks or just the lover of notebooks, but I collect notebooks. I just love them. So I've got them in my car. I've got them in my glove box. I have them next to my bed. And so like when I've got an idea, I might have an idea for a shoot. I might have an idea for like anything. I will jot that idea down uh, in a notebook. So I've got tons and tons of notebooks. Yeah, but I cannot carry that piece of paper in a my back pocket separately you you need to have it in a notebook yeah Yeah. give it a nice home like the thought of it is giving me anxiety right now anxiety Val (laughs) so do you want me to take it to the next level (laughs) to show how different we are sometimes like okay so uh calm Rogeri who you're drinking her gin right now yeah her and I uh did uh 
like often plan stuff when we have meetings together. Mm-hmm. The lists get drawn up on serviettes. Oh, yes. oh my god! <laughs> We're a big fans of that, and we've actually kept a, th- a few where we've uh, you know come up with some great ideas for uh, projects that we're working on together, and we just list them all, and we don't ever have any paper or a notebook, so we just go. Oh, yeah. uh, we're in a cafe, and we'll just go, just put it on the serviette, but you know, and that's our you know that's the plan for how we do it, mm-hmm. but. It's the art of writing it down that makes you remember. Yes, that's true. The other advantage of uh, doing a list. So each day I will do a to-do list of all the stuff that I need to do on the day. And here's what's important. So our brain is only capable before we go into overwhelm. If your list is more than seven activities, Mm. you're going to send your brain into overwhelm. Okay. And if you're the the type of person that makes a to-do list and there's 400 things on it, you're not going to get them done. All right. And you feel like a loser at the end of the day (laughs) because you've got this long list and you didn't get it done. So be more kinder to yourself. And the workaround is to make sure that uh, you do the stuff that you least want to do. You get that out of the way first. So if, if it comes to, you know, lifestyle stuff, if you hate exercise, mm. exercise first thing in the morning. Just get it out of the way. Get it's it called done. eat that frog. To eat that frog. It, it, that's the philosophy. So you do the, the yucky stuff first. So, like, my uh, hated stuff in, that in I hate In case anyone's wondering what that is, it's a phrase um, made famous by, uh, popularised by Brian Tracy, the author, and he wrote a book called Eat That Frog. And it is that you think of the the most overwhelming or intimidating or un- most unpleasant thing and whatever you do, you do that first in your to-do list because yeah. once you do that, the rest of the day is a breeze. Yeah, and then by doing that and um, putting the stuff that you don't like, so my my thing would be invoicing, quoting, any paperwork, I just despise it like you despise making ice fell, you know. <laughs> so it's like that, that I get that out of the way first and then you, you, you limit your stuff. But the thing is, it's like when you've got these three to seven activities and I would include in that list uh, spend 10 minutes learning how to focus or learning Photoshop or something like that. Include that in that list and get it out of the way. But what happens is as you're checking those three to seven activities, one of those would be something that moves you closer to reaching your goal and then the other stuff might be just generic day-to-day stuff that you need to get done. As you tick that stuff off, you feel like a winner. You're feeling like you've achieved something. So, you know, like we joke about it a lot, but honestly, 2020 has been a complete um, mind shit show. Yes, it's been awful. <laughs> like, you know, honestly, for mental health, I don't know anyone that hasn't actually suffered. And so we should because, like, this is uncharted waters for everyone and it's tough. So, you know, there are days where some people just couldn't get out of bed or couldn't get out of their pajamas or, you know, just it's a struggle. So, Gina didn't you- mean so we should. She meant it's unsurprising that we suffered. It's unsurprising. Yes. Right. Sorry, Val. So what's important is that you sort of uh, 
protect that energy and uh, be gentle to yourself and try and give yourself little wins everywhere where you can. And this listing of that three to seven activities, and it might be that if you're really struggling to get through the day, have a shower, you know, that's a oh, win. They're good. It's a win. Put they're on win. pants. That's yeah. a win. I did go a few weeks without wearing pants, Val. It was hard, hard right? Earrings. But that's a win. Okay. So, Prioritize the uh, important stuff. Take the prioritize. stress. Prioritize. I'm actually completely prioritize. Right now. Yeah, so prioritize. I can't even speak. But there is uh, so much good in making lists. All right. So we go on to the next one. Yes. Yes. Okay. The so the next big lesson I'm in 2020 things. was I've run out of cheese. The importance. <laughs> of finding your niche or niche. So depending on how you want to say it, we say niche. We say niche in Australia. Niche. But we know that Uh, um, it's niche in other parts of the world. So, so, but you know the word we're talking about, okay? So (laughs) in episode 321 with documentary photography with guest Ian Weldon and episode 320, candid family and commercial photography with guest Rowena Meadows, we learned about the importance of niching down. Or niching. Niching down. So, and the thing is that you, like, what uh, sort of photographers that are starting out do, and I certainly did this, is when I was starting out, I was up for everything. I said yes to everything. So I was shooting food. I was shooting products. Mm. I was shooting portraits. I was shooting architecture. I did weddings. I did everything. Okay. Which when you're starting out, you kind of need to do just to see what you like and don't like. Exactly. It's a great way. So you've got this blanket approach to you're a photographer and it's when people say, can you do this? You go, of course I can do it. And then you figure it out, Mm. but you will find that that is the way that you make connections with people and you also figure out what it is that you like. Then as you go along, as you put some years under your belt and you become more experienced, you're going to realize that there's stuff that you just enjoy doing more. And when you enjoy doing something more, you're just more comfortable with it. And then the end result of that is you develop a certain style and it just suits you. So you're, you, you gradually just niche down. And Valerie, you're an example of this with your art career where you started back in the day where you just decided, I want more creativity in my life. So, but I don't know, you didn't know what you wanted to do. You honestly just thought I want to do art, but I'm just going to explore. And you just followed your curiosity. You started with macrame and then you, from there you went to painting and then from painting you decided to do printmaking, I think. And then from there, that's when the sort of the light bulb started to go on and you're like, hang on. I can do like um, printing and uh, what do you call it, the style of art that you do? Uh, Yeah, woodblock printing. Woodblock printing. And you went from there and so you just continued to niche down and then from there you actually developed a really unique style of your own. So that's an example in the art world, in the photography world with me, I started with food, I was doing fashion and then... Uh, I just started doing portraits and I just realized how much happier and more control I had when I was shooting portraits and how much more I enjoyed it. So gradually I just niched and niched and niched. And then I found that I really actually don't love doing more domestic portraits. I like working, 
in the uh, sort of the entertainment industry and working with actors. And so I niched down to become that that photographer that shoots mainly editorial and, uh, you know, sort of commercial photography for the entertainment industry. So that's how I niched yes. down my photography but you do and have to try lots of things in order to, to figure you out don't know. how to so, niche yeah because when I started Val I honestly I believed 100% with all my heart that I just wanted to do fashion photography yeah and then when I actually started doing it I didn't like it yeah but I had to do it to realize that and it took me actually a few years to realize actually I don't like doing this I don't yeah. get it I don't understand it I th- I, I have uh, like m- far more fun uh, doing uh, portraits. Mm. So, um, and that's exactly what our the guests Ian and Rowena both talk about in their in their episodes, and how that the more they niche down. So Rowena does day in the life uh, portrait sessions, and they fly on the wall family portraits. Very, very, very niche. And when I mm. first spoke to her a couple of years ago, three years ago about this, it was like almost unheard of, this documentary style. It's very loose, uh, but there is a lot of skill involved in it. And and Ian it shoots a wedding in this fly-on-the-wall documentary style, which uh, has ruffled a few feathers in the um, in the wedding industry, but he stuck to his guns and basically from there he he he's gone on and he's been recognized um you know by his idols in photography he's had exhibitions he's had uh you know he's created books and he's uh, you know attracted uh, art directors to his site and now he's shooting in his documentary style he's doing advertising photography which Advertising is ka-ching, ka-ching, big money. And he's become extremely successful because he didn't say, oh, oh, I'm a wedding photographer. I should shoot in the style that all the other wedding photographers um, shooting because the the quickest way to become, you know, to to blend in is to just do what everyone else is doing. And then you're competing with the millions and millions of other photographers who are just doing, you know, your stock standard generic photography. But when you niche down, you really stand out. The pool that you're drawing from is a lot smaller in terms of the clients that are going to want that particular work, but you stand out as a specialist in your field. And I think that's a really important aim. Um, and we've got a and couple of... And just a tip also for some people, I know it's easy for us to say, oh, just try out lots of different things. But if you're not sure where to start, um, one thing that I found incredibly useful, and while it's it's not about photography. It certainly um, it can be applied to photography. When I first started painting, I had only painted one thing, right, literally one thing, but knew that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But then somebody um, uh, said to me, oh, so have you got a portfolio, which I did not because I'd only painted one thing. And yeah. I said, and I think that was on a Friday. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll send it to you on Monday. Oh. And so on Friday I emailed five friends and I said, just pick something that you like, a style that you like, send me a photo, and I will create a painting for you in that style. And they did that. And so I did that on Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I was forced to even try styles that I would never have considered yep. because it was the style that they wanted. Yeah. But it was really, really such a great learning experience because, as I said, I was forced into trying something that I wouldn't have normally done and it really taught me a lot about what I liked and didn't like and it created a portfolio by Monday. And put yourself under pressure because so, so yes. the same thing happened with me when I was um, working in an Italian restaurant. So it was like I was maybe a year into photography and I just like while I was at the restaurant, I talked about how excited I was about photography. I love photography. I just love photography. And what the waitress was married to an art director and the art director came into the restaurant and he said, hey, Gina, you're a photographer. I'm like, yep. He's like, can you shoot uh you know, soft drink bottles. I'm like, yeah, I can. N never done one in my life. And he's like, all right, come and see me. He went, he briefed me. He's like, it was a Friday, same as you, Val. He said, okay, I want these uh, five soft drink bottles photographed and uh, can you bring them back to me on Monday? I said, no worries, I can do that. No clue, Val. This is before the internet. Mm. So, again, I did what you did. I rang all my photography friends. I'm like, how do you photograph soft drink bottles? And they all, I, I took a little bit of information for all of them. I spent the entire weekend, um, I, I lost money on the job, Val. I lost money on the job, but I delivered the job and he loved it and I got the client. And so that's how I got my break into advertising photography and the, 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 the you know, say yes and figure it out afterwards, yes. you know, is right. my advice. So, um, Next a couple one. of photographers that have niched down, uh, Janine Meyer, who said this, my great photography lesson this year was to discover my niche and love for dog photography. And I learned how important that is from listening to the many of the fabulous podcasts and guest speakers. One Yay. of my dog images made a little appearance and was published in the beautiful world magazines Fantastic. and by J Jessica Monson. Drossen, Drossen. And I also won two bronze awards in the Rise yeah. International Photography Awards. Woohoo! Fantastic. And, uh, Good stuff. You know, so, That's and she's really got awesome. Post. And also, Bo Rossa uh, did the same thing. He started his pet photography business, Porfect. Perfect pet photography. It's so um, cool. I love it. I've been to his Facebook page um, and it's just some great shots. There. Oh, he does. He's lighting his images and they're beautiful. And so there it is. So they, they are known as dog photographers. That love is it. very niche and you could niche very further niche. and become a, you know, specific breed of dog photographer or a studio dog photographer mm. and niche down you know, so that when clients are looking for you, they they find you, okay? So um, another tip, Val, is to take your photography to the next level uh, with editing and uh, editing and, you know, thinking about the one percenters. So Danny uh, talks about how she said when she, she had to stop driving hey, her truck. <laughs> yeah, hey Danny, at the end of June, due to health, and she started learning Photoshop and not being afraid of it. And I've created, she, she did a magazine cover, like a really? mock up of a trucker's, uh, trucker magazine, which was fantastic. And that was from a template that I created for the uh, Goal community members. And so she used that, and that looked amazing. And I, I, I saw the feedback she got on Facebook for that, and uh, that was amazing. And she's having more fun. Uh, doing composites so what she 
did was she took an image of her and her partner when they first met, like when they were in their 20s. Yeah. And she managed to, like, she's still living in the same place, I think. Mm-hmm. So she recreated, like, the, the shot was her and her partner and two other people. And what she did was she replaced the two other people in the shot with her and her partner modern day. And so an image of the four of them together. And it's so powerful, isn't it, Val, when you see something like that? And so, and she said, I'm still learning uh, light, but I'm understanding it and seeing it. And as in good light versus bad light, I first started showing more interest in photography with your light painting tutorial so she had a go and it took away my fear of photoshop you and valerie inspire me to do better and reach for the stars i know that's cliche but that's true thank you for always being the voices in my head see other people have got our voices in their head on my walks (laughs) when i listen to the podcast and when i'm not your your little reminders about the thumbs are priceless so i've got this (laughs) thing about thumbs out in photos and um yes So she shared some of her photos and also Kim Partridge who had a go. So I I recommended one of the specials we did earlier in the year was talking about how to do trick photography. And one of them was doing multiple images. uh, And uh, uh, Kim Partridge, uh, who's just photography has just gone gangbusters this year. She's really taken it to the next level. And uh, she said, I want to say my my biggest achievement this year has been taking steps to grow my confidence in creating composite images. And uh, I think the most that I'm most proud of my Alice in Wonderland set, which was fantastic done at the start of the year where she got, uh, uh, she was in the image, she set up this, fantasy Alice in Wonderland scene and then she's got steampunk a bit fantastic costumes and uh using the one light technique that I taught them in Sicily and uh and also we I taught that in the uh in the podcast as well about uh you know light painting and um and uh that that was inspired by one of the podcasts and the the fact that mine turned into the Mad Hatter's Tea Party says a lot. So it was fantastic. And uh, they, they were shot in the middle of lockdown as well. So, you know, it goes to show that even if you're living in an apartment or um, anywhere that you, you, you've got a small space, you can still create uh, great art. And, um, you know, she goes on to say, in addition, I'd like to say a personal thank you to you and Val for keeping the podcast and the community as a whole going throughout this year in a year of such uncertainty. I know so many of us have struggled uh, and having your podcast every single week with practical advice, project ideas, motivation, genuine empathy and incredible guests has been so appreciated. Thank you for your ongoing support and everything that you do. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. That's thank amazing. You, Kim. And the work is amazing. Uh, so, um I don't have a um, – just look her up on um, Instagram, Kim Partridge, uh, for her work. She didn't actually give me a link to her work. Um, fantastic. So um, have we got time to do one more, Val? Go on. For the New Year special. Okay. Go on. So um, – Uh, And so, like, if you want to check out more editing tips, like, we have started a series. We did talk about this last week, but, again, I'll refer you back to the starting point. I will just interrupt and say that it's Kim Partridge underscore photographer on Instagram, or you can check out Broken Doll Images. 
Yes, fantastic. Thanks for that, Val. Um, check out episode 326, Editing Tips for Beginners, Enthusiasts and Pros. If you've never tackled any editing of your photography, this is a really good start. There is a video uh, with that, that podcast, so you can either listen to it. And if you want to listen and watch, then um, that's the place to go. And uh, just know that there, we will be releasing more editing tutorials uh, throughout the year. Okay, so finally, for 2021, uh, the aim for everyone again, and I know I talked about this uh, la last week, but I'm going to talk about it again to finish off the show because what I think the most important thing is you can have all the skills and everything uh, in, in place. You can have natural talent and do all the work, but you're only ever going to rise as far as uh, you believe you can go, all right? Yes. So yes. Um, your perception is what your, your projection, basically. So um, what I want you to think about is how are you just interested in attaining your goals or are you committed? to attaining your goals, there is a big difference. Okay. So um, if you're just interested, then you're going to allow the stories that you tell yourself about like, and we all tell ourselves stories based on how we're brought up and what we think. So you might have this perception, you might have been raised by parents who told you all of all your life that like, we never amount to anything in this family. And somehow you've managed to uh, put that into your subconscious. It's not true. It's a story that you're telling yourself, or that you tell yourself, I'm not good at lighting or I don't understand the technical part of photography. Again, that's a story that you're telling yourself. It's a story. So when I talk about are you uh, interested in, in, the, in, in, in what your goals are or are you committed, here's the difference, okay? So it's about how committed you are. So Valerie. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to pick an area where I know that you are not committed, okay? So I'm going <laughs> okay. to pick an area and I'm going to pick that like learning to um, cater a dinner party for 20 of your friends yeah. is not high on your list of to-do. Not even okay? on my list. Not even on your list. Mm -hmm. What if I was to say to you, Val, that I want you in um, three months to learn how to cook a three-course meal for 20 of your friends where you will go and shop for the fresh food. You will come home and you will prepare everything. You will roast it all in the oven and cook, cook top and you will create this spread for 20 of your friends, okay? Uh -huh. You've got three months to do it, okay? okay? All right. Now, what if I was to say to you that uh, in this next three months, I'm going to take Rexy. Rocky and um, anyone else that you Groucho. love in that house, Grouch, <laughs> your partner, away from you, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hold them away and you're not going to see them again mm -hmm. unless you create this goal. Do you think okay. you can achieve it? Well, yes, obviously there's motivation there. 
a motivation, okay? So this mm-hmm. is the big one. So mm-hmm. what's your motivation to achieve this goal? And are you going to hold yourself accountable or are you going to allow other people to hold you accountable? So sometimes uh, these there, there are projects that you can do, and I know you've done several of them where you've had some sort of accountability, like you have done the um, 100-day 100 project. Image. Yeah, okay. Now, you 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 aimed for it, and how many did you get? Which was still an amazing. Out of okay, that is an amazing result, and it's just like me saying, "All right, uh, by uh, January fifteen, I want a six pack." Okay. Okay. So how am I going to do that? So if I just say it to myself, I'm not holding myself accountable, and there is not enough other than the desire to have it. The motivation might be en- not be enough. But what if? On the the in mid January, I was to appear uh, live on national or international TV with a six pack. That probably would be enough motivation to get me across the line. I'd just stop eating, right? Because okay. I'd want that six pack. I wouldn't want to be humiliated. So the the the, the hundred day project and a lot of the uh, members in the Facebook group and the Goldies are doing the fifty two week project where they're they're held accountable and there is like they're part of a community and they want to be sharing those images every week or it might be whatever it is that gets you across the line that makes you commit to that goal of I want to learn how to light flash then Mm. maybe if you're the kind of person that maybe loses that um that will to do it or you just get too busy then maybe you need an accountability partner someone that you're working with that you're going to let down if you don't do it then that might help but whatever it takes it's not enough to just wish to do it. There are, you know, all sorts of things that, that that you need to put in place that are going to ensure that you keep going. For me, it's just that, like, I know that every day I set myself the goal of doing one thing that pushes me closer towards that goal. And it's also that list setting that I make sure that I get the things that I don't want to do out of the way early. And I, I have all these practices in place that uh, override some of my lazier tendencies because, you know, left to my own devices, I might not achieve those goals. But when you set these protocols in place, you get there. Anything to add, Val? I think that that's great. And I think you need to do what works for you because sometimes yes. that public accountability is what works for some people, but does, it yep. doesn't work for everyone. Yep. Sometimes instead of public accountability, you might need a coach or a mentor or an an individual that you're accountable to. But uh, accountability is a very effective thing. Um, You just need to work out whether it's a a one-on-one level of accountability or small group or or a public accountability with a a movement like the 100-Day Project. Um, Different things work for different people. But that's definitely a really, really good tip because it creates momentum. But speaking of momentum... We are almost, well, we are at the end of our <laughs> episode, I think, Gina. <laughs> so um, final words. 
Final words uh, is thank you everyone who has uh, listened to and supported the podcast. Like, honestly, I love recording this podcast. I love recording it with you, Val. Thank you to you uh, for continuing to support the show. And, uh, you know, honestly, this really, it does. It fills me up. Like, I love doing it. And uh, so thank you to all these listeners. And I just want to wish, and, you know, it is my hope that 2021, we all turn the corner and uh, we all are able to see our friends and see our family and travel a bit more. And uh, I just wish everyone nothing but joy and success uh, and, uh, you know, happiness for 2021. What about you, Well, Belle? I'm sure I speak on behalf of all our listeners to say thank you to you, Gina, for um, all of your wisdom and your advice and your practical tips and your crazy humour and <laughs> your wackiness uh, and your and just being authentic. And, and But most importantly, of course, all of your insight into the world of photography. It's... Um, uh, we all learn so much, myself included, of course. We all learn so much and it's a joy to be part of the podcast. And yes, I too want to thank all of our wonderful listeners because we wouldn't, quite frankly, do it if it wasn't because of you. So thank you so much for your support this year. Um, and I also wish you the very best for 2021. So Gina, where do we find you online? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if 2021 is the year that you take your photography to the next level, I would love the opportunity to work with you. Do check out the Gold community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy New Year, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 